Welcome to Pursuing Justice. I'm Harriet Hendel. Our theme this month will be about the issue of granting a pardon, specifically from the Pennsylvania Board of Pardons. In my three years on the air, I've never spoken to a member of a Board of Pardons or, for that matter, a member of a parole board. Today, we have as our guest Celeste Trustee. Her role on the board is secretary, a job with many aspects, coordinating the daily operations of the board, advising the chair and members of the board, moderating meetings and sessions that the board holds. Celeste is passionate about reforming Pennsylvania's legal system. To that end, she's been active with FAM, Families Against Mandatory Minimums. She served as a volunteer with the Pennsylvania Innocence Project and is even a star on Netflix in an episode of The Innocence Files. We are so pleased to welcome you, Celeste Trusty. Thank you so much for having me, Harriet. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. So the Board of Pardons website taught me a great, great deal. I think I spent a couple hours, um, you know, just reading and learning. The power to, bar, to pardon in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania was granted to William Penn way back in 1681. The Board of Pardons was created in 1872 and met for the first time in 1874. How far back did you become interested in looking to make some changes in Pennsylvania's legal system? Well, certainly not as far back as 1874. Yeah. However, right. um, you know this is something that has been, um, you know, a big uh, influence in you know my career for quite some time. Um, but you know, clemency in Pennsylvania used to be a very robust system where folks uh, would apply and folks would get clemency. Um, and then, you know, laws changed, um, kind of the public discourse changed, and this tough on crime um, idea uh, really kind of took over. And clemency basically shut down in Pennsylvania um, for decades. And so really, it's uh, wonderful because you can see how important it is to have leadership that really, really cares about second chances and cares about something like pardons and commutations because uh, we saw that, uh, you know, Governor Wolf uh, really started to um, embrace clemency um, and expand clemency. But then when Lieutenant Governor Fetterman uh, became Lieutenant Governor and then also as Lieutenant Governor as chair of the board, um, he really made a huge difference in how much the public was paying attention to clemency, how much the public really looked at clemency and understood what clemency was, um, you know, he went around the Commonwealth and talked to folks and let them know that clemency exists, you know, who is able to apply, what the process looks like. Um, and then in the last few years, they were able to institute different changes to processes and procedures, um, you know, and increase the budget and really try to make sure that the Board of Pardons was something that was a little more operational than it had been in the last couple decades. Um, so it's been incredible to see, um, you know, when I was the Families Against Mandatory Minimums fam um, as their Pennsylvania State Policy Director, I actually got to work very closely with the Lieutenant Governor 
on clemency expansion. We had written some op-eds together. Um, you know, we did a lot of work with some other really incredible organizations on the ground, some other community leaders to try to advance clemency and again, kind of educate the public about the process. Um, and so it was really an incredible opportunity when the Lieutenant Governor appointed me as secretary of the board um, because I'm blessed every day to be able to go to work and feel like I'm carrying these folks with me who for so long, nobody listened um, to, you know, what that what they needed, um, you know, and listened to them as rehabilitated, wonderful people. Um, and so to be able to go to work every day and have the opportunity to uh, try to work to expand clemency and access to second chances here in Pennsylvania um, is something that I hold very, very dear. So I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Yeah. Well, you're making a huge, huge difference in the lives of these people that really that's the only avenue they have, right, um, is the Board of Pardons. Yeah. And it's very unfortunate because here in Pennsylvania, um, folks who are convicted of first or second degree murder here, it's a mandatory life without parole sentence. Um, the judge has no um, opportunity to actually look at an individual situation um, and sentence them appropriately. And so often we see people who are sentenced to life without parole, which is death by incarceration with no opportunity for relief, who didn't even directly take a life or who didn't intend to take a life or who even sometimes we see victims, uh, you know, the surviving victims of an incident coming forth and saying that they support a second chance mm -hmm. for somebody, that they wouldn't have uh, sentenced them to die in prison for an offense that they committed often before the age of 25. Um, and so we really need to look at, op uh, at additional ways to create pathways to relief, because as much as I love clemency, and I really, really do. The process is slow. It's very, very, very hard to be successful, especially if you're uh, sentenced to life without parole. Uh, for many years, again, not many people, uh, in fact, many for many years, no people were getting granted clemency uh, when they were serving life without parole sentences. Uh, we have now seen the governor, uh, Governor Wolf, sign, I believe, 45 um, people who are serving life without parole he has granted clemency for those people, and they are creating such mm -hmm. a legacy for the people who are still fighting because these people have come home and are doing more for the community with their second chance than most people do with their lives who are free and who have never been incarcerated. Uh, we're releasing people who are mentors. We're releasing people who are leaders. We're releasing, you know, mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, you know, sons and daughters and people who want to come back and try to help repair the harm that they know they caused, you know, all those years ago. But we have to start looking at how we incarcerate people and how we do mass incarceration as you know a lot of people say oh well you just you know your heart is too big well even if you don't come at this from a place of empathy or a place of compassion if you come to this from a place of just simple common sense you know how much is enough we are incarcerating people for decades right uh, 50 60 70 years sometimes until they die how much is enough, right? How much, and this is being done in our names as taxpayers. And I don't think enough people really realize that. How much would you invest as a taxpayer in keeping someone who is no longer a threat to the community, who is a mentor and a leader who could come home and be a taxpayer, come home and contribute to the community? 
How much are we willing to invest in keeping them incarcerated for decades and decades and decades when it no longer serves a purpose other than vengeance? And so we have to start looking at, you know, the balance of the justice system. And I'm not saying that there shouldn't be accountability because right. there should be accountability. But how much is enough before we start really um, realizing that we are investing, we are investing in perpetual punishment instead of investing in our communities? But also, Celeste, isn't it very expensive to keep somebody, as you said, let's say um, they offend in their early 20s and you're talking about life without parole. It's a fortune. Do you know what the cost is for per prisoner inmate? I do. And so the average cost is about $50,000 a year per Ouch. person who is incarcerated. But when you think about it, as people age, that cost goes up. So that is the average cost. When you think about how much it costs to incarcerate somebody in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, the daily medication cost, right? Just the cost of the medical care, um, all of those things that we are paying for as taxpayers again, when people now, I know I'm 40 years old and I'm tired, right? I certainly can't imagine being 80 years old and coming out and wreaking havoc on my community. But we're paying all of this money to keep these people. Some people are on ventilators. Some people have terminal cancer, sure. um, you know, inside of a prison away from their families. Um, and we're paying for that. Um, and so sometimes it costs up, up to $100,000 a year to incarcerate these folks. And, you know, there was a great piece written by Joshua Vaughn a few years ago that he was granted access to actually go into SCI Laurel Highlands uh, with a camera and take some photos. Now, SCI Laurel Highlands is where most of the older and more sick folks uh, live who are incarcerated in the state of Pennsylvania. Um, and it was really eye-opening. Now, of course, I know this, right, because this is something I do every day, but the general public needs to see that there are people in wheelchairs that couldn't hurt a fly if they even tried. And we are paying, you know, nearly $100,000 a year to keep them incarcerated for something that they might have done decades ago, right? They are sorry. They acknowledge that harm and they have done so much throughout their lives to try to repair that harm, understanding they know they can't, you know, bring somebody back, but they do everything they can to try to honor the life that they have taken. And we need to find other ways to recognize that, you know, legislation needs to be enacted. The Board of Pardons, as I said, can't be the only option for people because it takes years and there's no guarantee of success. It is hard. I always say I doubt I could even get supported by the Board of Pardons mm -hmm. if I went before the Board of Pardons, you know, for a pardon or for a commutation. We need to look at our laws and lean on our legislature and say, you are responsible for our money. You are supposed to represent us in Harrisburg and our best interests. Yet our best interests are not being represented when you go into a prison and you see all of this money being wasted, all of this human capital being wasted, even folks who aren't 70, 80, 90 years old, who are maybe 40, 50, 60, they have decades of life that they can come back and contribute to our community. If we sit there and understand that vengeance is not, it should not at least be the driving force behind our criminal legal system, right? It should be about rehabilitation. Sure. 
we all need second chances at some point. I know I've caused harm to people. I cause harm to people all the time. I'm a human being. And so it's really frustrating for me to see people in our legislature who are human beings as well, who also as human beings cause harm and have the capacity to cause harm, but also have the capacity for change for like change. all of us do. So why don't our laws reflect the known fact, the science, the innate understanding that we all have the capacity to change. It is a very, very small percentage of human beings that are just incapable or unwilling to change, right? So often we hear that when people are incarcerated or immediately after a person makes a grave mistake on the worst day of their lives, right? That's it. They know that that is not something that they should have done. And they wish they would have done something different. And that's it. They change, right? They live their lives then to do everything they can. And one thing I think is brilliant is as a secretary of the Board of Pardons, I get to see all of these folks who are applying for clemency. I, look to, I get to see their applications. Mm -hmm. And again, as I mentioned earlier, clemency really shut down in Pennsylvania for decades, especially for people serving life without parole. There was no option for relief, no hope for relief, right? Yet you still see there are people who, even without that hope or the, that pathway for relief, people who spent decades of their lives bettering themselves, right? Giving back to their communities, going to school, getting degrees, um, you know, creating organizations, using their small amount of money that they make inside of prison to donate to outside causes, to do things like mentoring young folks who are coming into prison to try to stop them from coming back. Right. These are the things that I find so amazing because it's not like they thought, well, look, that's it. I know if I serve 10 years of good time, I'll get to go out. If I serve 20 years of good time, no. Life without parole, that is it. As it is, life is life. Yet life. these incredible people still knew that it was incumbent upon them, right? to live the best lives that they could, even without the opportunity for relief, right? And now we're getting to see them at the Board of Pardons and I'm blown away every day. I am blown away by the things that people have been able to accomplish while confined, right? Our system tried to stop them from being able to do anything. Our system tried to shut them out and say, you're not worth, you know, the second chance opportunities, but wow. Every day I am blown away by the things that the people inside that our society, you know, predestined to say, nope, that's it. You will never be able to do a good thing for the community anymore. Again, they're doing more for their communities than most free people ever do. And imagine what they would do with freedom. Exactly. And I mentioned this before we see this, right? We see all of the former juvenile lifers who are now able to come home because of that amazing Supreme Court decision in Philadelphia alone, right? I can count so many people who are just incredible. My friend Suave came home, has a Pulitzer Prize winning podcast. He was a former juvenile lifer, served 31 and a half years in prison. And they said to him, you as a child, the worst day of your life as a child, you will never have the opportunity to come home. And guess what? He did. And now he's changing the world. 
I don't have a Pulitzer. He <laughs> won a Pulitzer Prize after our system said, you're not worthy of a second chance. Look at what can happen with a second chance. We have people coming out and voting, right? Mm -hmm. Being able to participate in the political process that for so long kept them down and said, you can't participate, but they did everything they could, even though they couldn't vote, they wrote their legislators, they invited their legislators in, they helped write legislation. These are the things that have really helped teach and mentor even me as an advocate, as somebody who helps write legislation. These are the people who really help impact me and imagine what they can do, as you said, if they were given the opportunity for freedom. That's right. That's right. So we're, we're talking uh, so much about a pardon and clemency for, for those who are not maybe um, uh, schooled in this area. What's the difference between a pardon, clemency, and a commutation? I'm very glad you asked that because that's something that a lot of people don't even know, um, including attorneys. Uh, so basically, <laughs> clemency is the umbrella term. Okay, so clemency is... Uh, you know, forgiveness, right? Generally mercy. And so clemency covers commutations and pardons. Commutation is a reduction in sentence. So if you're incarcerated, you would usually apply for a commutation because you're looking to seek relief from a sentence that you feel is unfair or that you feel you have demonstrated that you are ready to be, to get relief from and ready to come home. Um, you can also apply for commutation if you are currently serving a, a sentence of supervision in the community. So if you have come home already and you're currently under a supervision sentence of parole or probation, you can apply to have that sentence commuted as well and try to have that shortened. A lot of folks, everybody actually, uh, who comes home after serving life without parole through commutation or even former juvenile lifers, um, they are on parole for the rest of their lives, which is still... Uh, even though they are home, that is a sentence that can, you know, send them back to prison at any time, anytime for anything. And so that is something that living under that, um, you know, is something that we need to start looking at as well. Like, yes, super glad that everybody is free, but we also need to understand that life without parole also means uh, serving life on parole when you're in the community. Mm -hmm. So a pardon is total forgiveness for a former offense. Okay. So, yeah. So if you are home and you have an offense that you are trying to get off of your record, often we'll see people with uh, weed offenses who they're, who really it's holding them up from being able to chaperone their kids to the zoo at a field trip. You know, it's holding them back from being able to um, get a professional license or something like that, or charges from, you know, a long time ago. And you have demonstrated that those are charges that are holding you back and you are just not that type of person anymore. You would apply for a pardon. And what a pardon does is again, that gives total forgiveness from the state. And once you then get a pardon, you can apply for an expungement. Um, some offenses don't require a pardon first, but most offenses do require a pardon uh, before you get the expungement and get that totally off of your record. But a pardon is something that, again, I think most people don't understand. If you have a criminal conviction in Pennsylvania, you can apply for a pardon. It's free. 
Uh, that is something that has changed recently. It used to cost money to apply. It's free now to apply. You don't need an attorney to apply either. Uh, you can apply on your own. We're actually working um, to hopefully bring everything online um, and starting in January. So instead of folks being able to or having to use a paper application, um, folks will be able to apply online, upload their own documents. They'll be able to check their status online without having to call the Board of Pardons office to ask us to do that for them. So it'll be really, really wonderful to be able to modernize this process. I mean, it's 2022, right? People should be able to have agency and really use a phone, right? Use a tablet, use a computer to apply for clemency. And they shouldn't have to make a phone call to our office saying, hey, could you please let me know what my status is? Or could you please upload this support letter for us? Sure, that's great, really streamlined. Now, tell us um, what's the makeup of the Board of Pardons? Who's on it? Sure. So I do want to clarify, I am not on the board. I am the secretary oh, okay. of the board. Um, right. I wish I got a vote because I, uh, <laughs> I wish I got a vote. Um, but I do have, a, you know, it's nice because I'm able to um, provide advice um, to the board members and provide advice to the chair. Um, you know, and really have a hand in, um, you know, how applications process and things like that. So the Board of Pardons um, is made up of five people. Um, there's always the Lieutenant Governor as chair. So uh, when the Lieutenant Governor changes, the chair changes. Um, and so we have, yep, so it's always the Lieutenant Governor as the chair. And there's also always the Attorney General on the board. So when the Attorney General changes, we also have a change on the board there. Um, and then we also always have a corrections expert. We also have a doctor of psychiatry. And then we have a victim representative on the board as well. Um, and these folks are appointed and they serve six year terms on the board. Um, and they are appointed at staggered times. So the board makeup does change. Um, and so if you are interested in terms and things like that, we do have that listed um, on our website also. Okay. All right, we, we don't have a lot of time left, but you have said you would uh, return and there's so much more to say. Uh, next time. So um, how maybe we should um, wrap with how complex is the application process? So the application itself isn't terribly complex. We've actually changed it. We released a new application in January to make it a little bit easier for folks, uh, putting a little bit more work on the Board of Pardons office staff to gather documents and things like that. So we have really worked to try to make it a little bit easier, a little bit more streamlined. We also have a lot of helpful tips on our website. We have instructions, we have um, videos, and our office staff is very, very helpful. So if you have questions, you can always call and ask us. But we try to have, I know you mentioned our website has a lot of information. We try to keep our website very updated and very thorough so that the application is a little bit easier. Um, but as I said, when we bring it online, it'll be even easier for folks to follow and to apply. That's great. Does every state have a board of pardons? So clemency is done differently in every state and at the federal level. Um, and so some states don't have a board. Sometimes the governor has that ultimate authority to be able to grant clemency without the board. Um, a, the Board of Pardons here in Pennsylvania was instituted to kind of be a um, that, you know, little bit of check and balance between the justice system and the governor so that the governor doesn't have unfettered authority to grant clemency and doesn't abuse that authority. Um, and so that's kind of why the Board of, of Pardons was created here in Pennsylvania. I see. Um, now, 
I, I don't want to get into anything too uh, extensive. Um, is there anything that you would like to leave us with before you return next time? Uh, any, uh, you know, anything that occurs to you that you want to end with today? Sure. I hope everybody takes the opportunity to really look at our website and understand uh, what the what clemency is in Pennsylvania. Um, if you have somebody or you yourself has a record in Pennsylvania, please consider applying for clemency. We're constantly doing everything we can to try to streamline it, make it easier, make folks successful through the process. So please really take that time to you know see um, what clemency is about. And then we also have our next upcoming set of public hearings that start on August second. If you're interested, all of our sessions are public um, and they are live streamed. Um, you know, we have the link and the agenda posted on our website. Um, if you're interested in what the clemency process looks like, definitely tune in. You can see, you know, all the board members and myself were on camera. Uh, the public hearings, you know, folks are there who are being interviewed by the board. You can see the kind of questions that they're asking. Um, incarcerated people have representatives there who are uh, in support or sometimes in opposition. Um, and so it's a really interesting time. So if you're interested in the process and how it works definitely tune in again they start august 2nd and what's your we'll close with the, the website what's your website all right our website's pretty easy it's bop.pa.gov that is easy all right thank you so much celeste for being with us today so much good information and we'll see you again next time on thank First you for having me i appreciate welcome. it thanks for listening my podcast today. You have been listening to Pursuing Justice on Society Bites Radio, and I'm your host, Harriet.